680 feedback. Page 687. All right. Page 687. And uh, Matthew 9, 14 through 17. Fasting 101. So here is our breakdown the past like a uh, month and a half, two months. Upstairs for Big People Church. Here's our breakdown the way uh, it's been going for us, okay? So, prior to Christmas, we've been studying through the book of Matthew, right? Because that's what we do. We go chapter by chapter, verse by verse, go through it, um, and try and bring out and highlight what's relevant to us in 2013 and how we can put that into practice. And sometimes we get to difficult passages, um, and then sometimes like, oh man, it's great. This is like so helpful. We can really dig in here. Then Christmas came. We took a break from Matthew. And um, we really focused on the Advent season. Advent meaning coming, right? So we focused on Jesus Christ, the Messiah, all kinds of stuff around Christmas season about Him. And uh, what we're doing uh, these two weeks, so last week and this week, so these two weeks, last week we talked about an awareness. Say awareness. 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 Last week we talked about an awareness of His will and His plan. And that caused us to take a look at 2013 and um, really dig maybe a little bit deeper into it, you know. What were some of our memories from 2013? Where have we been? What have we done? And what kind of decisions did we make? And, you know, uh, you know we made money and, you know, where did we spend it? And, you know, we had relationships and maybe some people came in and maybe some people left. And um, who knows what our relationship with Christ looked like? And hopefully that went to new places or maybe it went backwards. You know, I'd, I don't know how it went for you. Um, But nonetheless, we really talked in detail last week about an awareness about His plan. And we talked a little bit about how I think maybe some people think that because God loves us and He loves people, that somehow we just fall into whatever plan He might have for us. That we kind of just end up in it just because He loves us. And we took out a passage... Um, from Deuteronomy and we took, looked at that a little bit deeper and we found out that's not really the case. In fact, God has a will, He has a plan, He has a timetable and He'd like to take us there and take us through it and uh, hopefully the hope is is that we're on board with His timetable, His will and His plan and for the most part we're willing parties that go with Him because then if we don't what we found out is that for the Israelites, it actually caused them to walk around the desert for 40 years. And they learned a lot, and they got to know God in a deeper way, and He did some amazing things while they were doing that, but right, they didn't have to do that whole 40-year thing. It wasn't part of God's original plan. It was part of His plan to get them on the desert for a little while, have them get to know Him intimately, spend time with Him, you know, be fed manna, have God bring quail, win some battles... Um, be taught how to worship Him, right? They needed to learn how to function and be with God in a holy way. And then in God's timetable, He's like, well, once that's established, here you go, I'm giving you the land, walk right into it. And remember, they saw the land and they're like, oh no, you know, it's too big for us. The people there are like giants, you know, it's just too scary. So they bailed. And God said, okay, well, Go walk around in the desert now. And then they heard the consequence, and they're like, oh, no, no, wait, yes, we will go in there. Like, let's go do that now. And God's like, no, you know, I, I told you. 
I, I laid it out for you and you just told me, no, you didn't want to do it. And so now the only reason why you want to do it is because you're afraid of the consequence. So we're hoping that in 2014 we could be unlike, unlike the Israelites and go with God's timetable instead of seeing maybe the consequences of not doing it and then like trying to go do what God already asked us to do in the first place. So that was an awareness. So then this week, we're going to talk about coming into alignment. Say alignment. 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 We're going to talk about coming into alignment with what He has for us. Because we want to be aware and we want to fall right in line with what He has. So that's where fasting 101 comes into play. It's actually a pretty integral, pretty important part. And so we're going to dig into it a little bit today. Not super deep, because we only got a little bit of time, but highlight some important things and maybe hopefully help answer maybe some of the questions that you might have. So before I do that, I have a short little video clip that maybe brings out maybe some ideas, thoughts, I don't know, maybe it'll trigger some things um, about fasting. It's not a super serious video clip, so I don't want you to take it that way. But, as you listen to it, um, try and make sense of what they're talking about. So maybe we can play that guy. I, I think fasting's awesome. I mean, where else can you combine spirituality and dieting all in the same way? I mean, it's a bound rap, pound for pound it does. You know, people think it's for monks or supermodels and stuff like that. But I'm here to tell you it's for everybody. Last summer, I had a 20-year reunion slash barbecue slash swim party to go to. And I've done but had to drop about 85 pounds. So thanks to fasting, what has two thumbs and look good in a swimsuit? This guy. Thank you, Jesus. Fasting? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's great to uh, skip a meal or two so you can hear God's voice better, you know? Stay plugged into Him. Yeah. You know, some people uh, fast from phones and music and gadgets. But that's, that's not a sacrifice. That's, that's not even biblical. I mean, that, that's crazy talk, you know? I mean, God gave us this stuff so we could stay plugged into Him. Maximize our lives. It also keeps us busy enough to never be still or quiet. Are you even a Christian? I dare you to fast from your phone for one minute. Fine. Minute. You got it. No biggie. I don't care. I probably should take that. I fast. Okay, that's a total lie. I don't even fast at all. Okay, I want to. Another lie. Don't even think about it. Deal is, I'm hypoglycemic and diabetic, and that's not even close to the truth at all, okay? Hey, even the Bible says, he who hopes dies fasting, right? Right? Okay, Benjamin Franklin said that right before he died. Bottom line, fasting makes me hungry. Are we almost uh, done? Hello! I'm Brett Johansson, and I believe that fasting is one of the greatest spiritual disciplines one can achieve in their faith. When my family or friends invite me to go to lunch, I gently remind them and passive-aggressively admonish them by reminding them, Did you not get my fasting notification email? Oh, that I had the luxury to eat lunch like you do. (laughs) Every year around Easter, I go through a 40-day fast to heighten my sensation of the Easter holiday. This year, however, I've decided to tack on 10 extra days. (laughs) 
So by the time we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, I will have been fasting for 50 whole days if I survive. In my fast, I have a very rigid schedule. And if you do not have a rigid schedule, then God does not approve. Some people like to cheat and they drink flavored waters and juices within the fast. You must be drinking unfiltered well water. And if you do not drink unfiltered well water, God does not approve. In the afternoon, I put a cone of silence around me. I do not talk to anyone. Yes, that does annoy people. Yes, it does anger my coworkers. I am persecuted within my fast. And if you are not persecuted within the fast, God does not approve. When I get home, I go straight straight to my prayer closet. I do not talk to my wife. I do not play with the kids. I let them fend for themselves. And if the kids do not fend for themselves and the wife does not get talked to, God does not approve. You know what? I'm going to ask nice one more time and then I am not in control of what happens, okay? So give me the phone. Okay, fine. I need the phone. I, I need to call. Um, no, you want to right, so the video right is not intended to be super serious, obviously, but it is meant to um, bring out maybe some maybe false ideas and uh, you know concerns, you know, maybe about fasting. Like it's you know. It's not, it really shouldn't be tied together, you know, to dieting. Like, that's the reason why I'm going to fast is like, you know, to diet. And um, the reason to fast, not to get rid of bad habits, you know. But maybe there is some truth or there is some truth to the fact that, well, you know, maybe uh, for whatever reason, there's a legitimate health concern. And, you know, maybe a mom is nursing or maybe someone has some kind of health ailment. And maybe they can't not eat food, but maybe they could go without their gadget or device. You know what I mean? And, um... So there are some truths in there, but obviously mixed in with some humor and some different uh, things. But at least it gets us thinking a little bit about fasting. Uh, so here's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to take a look at a few thoughts about fasting. And then I want to tell you about the stuff that's in your bulletin. Okay? So um, here's the first question. So in your bulletin you have a one, a two, a three, and a four. So four thoughts. And they're not going to be uh, super long here. First thought, first question is this. Is fasting, and I believe we have it up here too, is fasting for us, maybe we can help fix the focus on here a little bit. There we go. Is fasting for us, New Testament believers, that's us, is fasting for New Testament believers biblical? Is that even biblical? Like, should we be forcing um, ourselves to fast, New Testament believers. If you spend any time in the Bible, you know, in the Old Testament, guys like, you know, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, these prophets, and even King David, and these guys, they would fast. They would fast, go without food. And they do it for different uh, time lengths. Even uh, in Esther, the women are going to be studying Esther. Even she did a three-day fast, and the Jews along with her, uh, no food, no water, you know, they did it for different periods of time, for different reasons, but they did it. Um, but what about um, New Testament, right? After Jesus Christ, after the promise was fulfilled, after the Messiah has come, right? We're living in a totally new dimension than the Old Testament. It's been done. It's been finished. The last thing he said on the cross is, it is finished. And the tomb is empty. It's awesome news. 
So we're not exactly under the same Old Testament system. And if you take a few of the verses out of the New Testament, it might even seem like we're not even really supposed to be fasting. And fasting is not even really unique to Christianity. There's other religions and other people that fast for all different kinds of reasons. Um, Sometimes people even do it for political reasons. Uh, Sometimes uh, people do it uh, just for health reasons. Um, And other religions do it too. So it's not even like it's unique to Christianity. So like, do we want to, you know, do that too? And is it biblical? Like, is God asking us to do that? Um, And also, fasting, it's not commanded. It's not. So that was your question, your bonus question. It's not commanded anywhere in the New Testament. If you're my disciple, then you must fast. Like, it's not commanded like that. So then, what are we doing? And why would we maybe be venturing on this together for the second time as a church family? Um, Maybe I just want to make your lives more difficult. Or maybe I just want to beat you down with guilt. Um, And certainly, I guess maybe some people do that. And maybe I'm a wolf in sheep's clothing. You know, maybe I want to do that. Um, But no, I don't. But uh, let's take a look in the Bible and see what it says for a minute. Just three quick passages. We're not going to spend a lot of time, but I just want you to to be exposed to them and see them. Is fasting biblical? Look at uh, 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. Take a look. It says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. So that means like kind of towards uh, the end here, people will like get away from the Bible, get away from the meaning of it, and kind of make church and Bible and Christianity kind of whatever they want. And they will speak lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. So it's like religion just basically becomes their own conscience. And we can see that like happening around us today. Verse 3, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. So these people that are going to like spread this false religion and false idea, they're actually going to command people to abstain from foods. Fasting. Stay away from food. So people that are like false believers and false teachers are going to tell people, abstain from food. So maybe we're like a false church, you know. Verse 4 says, For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. So Paul's writing Timothy saying, Hey, listen, the false teachers, like they're telling people not to eat certain foods. And honestly, food and things that God has given you that's good, it is good. Especially if it's been sanctified by the word of God and by prayer. So we pray over it, we thank God for it. We realize it comes from Him and from His hand. It is good. But he says the false teachers, right? They tell people and command people not to eat from food. So, like, should we fast? It doesn't look good. What about the next passage? Uh, Romans 14. says, One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day, observe it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, right, that's us now. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and gives God thanks. So it's like you could eat and not eat. It doesn't really matter all that much, right, from that passage. Whatever you do, that you do it unto the Lord. There doesn't seem to be a strong suggestion here to really fast and abstain yourself from food. 
And then here's uh, the last one here, 1 Corinthians 8.8. 8. This is kind of like uh, the silver bullet here. But food does not commend us to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, nor if we do not eat are we the worse. So hey, there's like no real push here too fast. If we eat, you know, we're the better. If we don't eat, we're not the worse. Like, it's okay one way or the other. Like, we can enjoy the good things that God has given us. It's okay. So I don't know about you, but I'm not seeing really a strong push and a strong urge from the New Testament to, hey, let's fast. But yet, I'm communicating to you guys that, hey, let's fast. You know, where is this coming from? What's that all about? This sounds inconsistent. And then catch this. Number two in your bulletin. So the first one is, is fasting biblical? We just took a look at a few passages. Doesn't seem like it. And number two in your bulletin, there's a big time danger of fasting. There's actually a really big danger to doing this. So we're up here. There's a vocab word. You guys get your uh, English vocab word of the day. Aestheticism. It says a practice of strict self-denial as a matter, as a measure of discipline. So this is like people, and, and this is where fasting and may, I guess maybe other self-disciplines. Um, it's some people can use fasting and other disciplines to show self-mastery over their will. So you're like, you're denying your will to eat or you're denying your will to listen to your phone or you're denying your will to go work out or you're denying your will to fill in the blank. So if you do that, some people boast in the fact that, hey, I was able to not do that. And then what happens is they could get very prideful about the fact that they're able to squash that thing and not do it. And with the day and age of like Facebook and Twitter, um, they not only want to tell you, they want to tell everybody. Um, and I, I can actually remember uh, reading a couple of uh, friends of mine you know, that had New Year's resolutions from 2013. Uh, and they had different ones. And uh, I remember reading you know, um, some of the things that they put on there boy, were they really super proud of themselves that they were able to keep to their resolution and draw tons and tons of attention to what they did. And maybe they're good things like what they did. It just seemed very strange that they drew so much attention to it. It's very easy for us to do, especially in our society. Like it's the society of look at me and look what I do and I post everything and I tweet everything and look at me, 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 me. It's very difficult to um, use self-mastery in the form of discipline and yet not put ourselves as the focal point and put Jesus there. It's very difficult. So we don't see too many passages supporting fasting. There's a big time danger of pride. Take a look at this quote right here. I appreciate this quote from uh, John Piper. It says, The danger of eating is that we fall in love with the gift his take is that food is like a gift. You know, like drinking, you know, like air, like sex. Like these are all gifts that God has given us. So the danger of eating is that we fall in love with the gift. The danger of fasting is that we belittle the gift and glory in our own willpower. It could easily turn into that. Almost like a quote-unquote willpower religion. Who can like squash the most stuff. And that's not exactly what fasting is either. 
So, the New Testament doesn't really seem to push it. A huge danger of pride lurks in there with the fasting. So then, like, what do we do? And is it biblical? That's the question. Well, here's number three in your bulletin here. We are going to do it, and we believe it's biblical because of two big reasons. One is this Matthew 6 passage where Jesus is talking. In the Matthew 6 passage, it says, hopefully we get up there. In the Matthew 6 passage, yeah, he's behind back there. There we go. Moreover, when you fast, say when. When. Not if. This is Jesus talking, right? This is when. This is like assuming it's going to be part of your life and you're going to do it. And this is Jesus talking. So he's kind of credible. So when you fast, don't be like the hypocrites with the sad countenance where they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have the reward. But you, when you fast, again, when, anoint your head, wash your face, so you don't appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Doesn't really say, like, post it on Facebook, Twitter, let everybody know we're fasting, and it's like, it's been a tough day, and I'm so hungry. That doesn't really take point. He's like, wash your face. Make it so people can't even tell you're fasting. Because it's just for God anyways. It's not to display my willpower over whatever. Even though that might be a big deal. So that's interesting. Jesus says, when you fast. And then here is like the Trump verse that makes fasting biblical. Here's the big one. Our passage this morning. Matthew 9. So now we take a look. Verse 14. You probably thought we were never going to get there. Or you're thinking, oh my gosh, we haven't gotten there yet. When are we ever going to get there? Verse 14. says, when John's disciples, that's John the Baptist, when John's disciples came and asked them, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples don't fast? So John uh, the Baptist, right? And you have the Pharisees as well. All these guys are fasting. It's part of their lives. But Jesus and his crew, they don't. And they haven't been. They've been eating. They're just having a good time. So verse 15, Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he's with them? In other words, right now is not the time. The bridegroom is here. I am here. This is an amazing moment. The Messiah is here. We have to enjoy this right now for what it is because it's going to be very small. It's not going to last forever. And so right now we enjoy this time. It says the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. And then they will fast. So like, is Jesus with us right now walking around doing whatever? No. Right now, according to the Bible, he sits at the right hand of God in his throne, in his seat, in his place. The lamb that was slain, right? He is there. He has left. So the time to fast is now. Wasn't necessarily then, right then when he was there. But now is the time. So that's like the trump card right there. Totally biblical. Jesus said, this time when you're supposed to fast is when I leave. That's when you want to fast. So absolutely biblical. And in verse 16, he emphasizes this point. He says, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. 
Neither do men pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. So in other words, he's saying, hey, listen, we are doing, I am doing a new thing here. The old ways, the old methods are not going to fit into how God is going to provide now. You do not take new wine, put in old wineskins. Those wineskins have already been uh, expanded and the fermentation has already happened and uh, you can't put new wine in it and explode it. You cannot do it. New with new. Try not to mix it up. So definitely biblical. So number one, right, is fasting biblical? Right, we said number two, that pride is super dangerous. And then number three, our big thought and our big point was that we do it because Jesus said to. Now is the time the bridegroom is left. So totally biblical. So now we can take a side, take a big side, go, hey, so now I know you're really concerned about fasting and it was really like, you know, eating you, eating you. But we can. And it is biblical. And I do hope, at the very least, now you could even maybe even explain it using the word. Saying, okay. Here's what was done. Here's what it says here, where it seems like maybe we shouldn't. But then here's what it says here, where Jesus says maybe like we should. That's the important part. I want to use the word, not just like our opinions, but use the word to back up what we're thinking and what we're saying. So last one, number four. Here's what happens when we do fast. Some things that happen. And I gave you some fill in the blanks just to help keep you awake. Here's what happens when we do. So the first one. Some things that happen when we do fast, we get hungrier for Christ. We get hungrier for Christ. So maybe like we're getting hungry, we know we're missing some food, but we're going to get hungrier for Christ. I guarantee it. It's amazing to see it happen. We're also going to get homesick for heaven. We just realize how badly we want to be in His presence and to be around Him and be around His people. Ugh. We see sin more clearly. See sin more clearly. It's amazing how during a fasting time, like you just get some better perspective and better idea just how God sees things a little bit more sometimes. And it just repulses you a little bit more. And the last thing is we awaken a little bit more to God's reality. We awaken a little bit more to what He's doing, what His perception is, what His perspective is. Because it's very easy to get caught up in our own reality. It's very easy. I mean, we got, we have responsibilities we got to do. We got bills we got to pay. We got a place we got to go. Um, we got things we got to do. And it's very easy to kind of get consumed by that. And those things in and of themselves are not necessarily bad. It's good to be responsible, right? And pay our bills and do well in our jobs and be there for family members. But if we can never fit Jesus Christ into the center of all those things or all that revolves around well, then that's not really good. Because He wants to work supernaturally through us to infect all those other areas. So, take a look here. Um, this quote by Richard Foster. I think, yeah, Richard Foster. It says, more than any other discipline, fasting reveals the things that control us. It definitely will. If you choose to take part, and I'll talk about those two sheets, if you choose to take part, you're going to see... It reveals the things that control us. This is a wonderful benefit to the true disciple who longs to be transformed into the image of, Christ, of Jesus Christ. We cover up what is inside of us with food and other things. And boy, is that true. 
It is very true. And uh, I don't know what might control you or control me. Food is usually the thing. You know, it's interesting that God would even make food. Like, God's God. He could have made us to just, I don't know, survive on something else or eat once a year. I don't know. Like, he could have done it different. But um, I think if he did that, it would have been very difficult to understand when he says, I'm the bread of life. Like, we can understand a little bit more now. We know how bread works and how food works, right? We can understand that. It's a necessity, right? We need that. So, as far as our church fast goes, then, how are we going to do it together if you choose to do it with us? And I hope that you do. Um, Let's take a look. Two sheets of paper inside your bulletin. I won't spend a ton of time on this, but I just want to give you the the brief uh, oversight here. So take out the first one that has like the blue highlights on there. The blue highlights. It says Calvary Chapel Nogtuck Church Fast on the top. Okay. First thing is fasting focus. So let me read through this with you real quick. Fasting focus. Fasting spiritual discipline designed to better connect us with God. That's the goal. I hope that's your goal. That is our goal as a church. It's all about, there's the word, aligning ourselves with God and what He really wants to do. As a church, we are fasting together in order to deepen our relationship with God, as well as get in step with His plan and His purpose for us during this coming year. That's the point. Over the next 21 days, we will sacrifice one meal a day and focus on reading the Bible, praying, and journaling. That's if you could do one meal a day. You could certainly do more if you'd like. I don't know if you want to do the filter well water thing. Like that's kind of it's kind of your call. But um, it's the asking is to. It's got to be something that stinks. Like part of me right now, on the verge of this church fast, is kind of excited because I, I do feel like God will make some things clear. He'll open up some doors, and He's just going to do do what He's going to do. He just will. Whenever we surrender more of ourselves, then that's what he does. So that's kind of exciting. It's also kind of scary. But then the other part of me is like, I don't want to give something up. It hurts. It stings. I'm not looking forward to that. So it's like, whatever you choose to fast, if it's not the one meal a day thing, you know you and you know what is super important to you. You know what things would really sting if that had to go, what would really hurt. It's your call, right? It's your call. It's your call. The overall goal is not to experience more of God in our lives, in our church, in our community. Oh, is to experience more of God in our lives, our church, in our community. Remember the idea is to be realistic, not legalistic. Not like that guy up there on the screen with his little paper and pad and nut job, right? Focus more on the details of connecting with God rather than the right words or methods. This is really important. You're just focused on trying to connect with God. Right words, right methods. Like, what is right? That's just the sincere outpouring before God. It might look different on Tuesday than it does on Thursday. Just the way it goes sometimes. The idea is just sincere outpouring. God wants your heart poured out to Him using whatever words that may entail. Might be a lot one day, might be a little the next day. So here's the framework. Monday, January 6th. So it starts tomorrow. So go nuts today. And then, starts tomorrow, 
and will last until Sunday, January the 26th. So why did I choose that time length? This is a type of quote-unquote Daniel fast based on the 21-day length. The Daniel fast is a little bit more in-depth. We're not doing all of that, but we just kind of stole the time length period. If you'd like to read about it, you could. It says right there, it's located in Daniel 10. This is really a partial fast since removing one meal per day. Um, and it gets into if you have some kind of condition that will prohibit you from taking part in the fast, there's other options. Right? You could choose to remove something from your daily routine, television, internet, sports, you know, working out, whatever. The important thing to remember and realize is that the details are not as important as the heart and spirit behind the fasting. And if you need to consult your doctor before doing it, please do. So here's the fine points, last part. During the 21-day fast, you're committing to an abstinence from one meal of food per day, or whatever you do in place of that. During the time of food denial is to fill yourself with God or feast on your faith. So while you're not doing that stuff, right, you're filling with God on the other end. The idea is to pray, Bible read, and hopefully journal. I would think journaling would be a big part of what you're going to do here. So want capitals, all capitals there, pray. In case you find yourself needing help on what to pray for, there's a prayer and fasting calendar to help you with your prayer time should you need it. That's what this guy's all about. So that's what the calendar's about. If you have a hard time maybe finding things to pray for or things are just not maybe coming clearly for whatever reason, or maybe after three or four days it's like, oh man, I think I prayed everything up. And you might be need help with that on the calendar here each day. Each day... It gives you things you could pray for each day. And each like week is color-coded. Right? So on Mondays, you're praying for you. Tuesdays, your family. Wednesday, your friends. Thursday, your job. Friday, finances. Check out Saturday. That's just a day of praying thankfulness. Like, no laundry list that day. God, I just thank you for... Throw it in there. And Sundays... Praying for our church family and what he wants to do here and how he wants to work. So you can use this if you'd like, but you don't have to. It's just an option for you. And like it says at the top, if you'd like to read a book of the Bible while you do, if you do one chapter a day, you can finish the entire book of John if you choose to. Or we've also passed out those um, um, Our Daily Bread books too, so you can read those along too if you'd like. And uh, the journaling... Um, could be really helpful if you choose to do that. I was talking to a Georgina uh, this week and she was telling me a little bit about the way she did her fast last year and they chose to, what was it, dinner that you said? Yeah, they chose to, yeah, get rid of dinner and uh, instead what they did, she still had, uh, her and her sister still came to the table but there was no physical food there, right? But there was spiritual food there, right? They had the word there, she had her journal there and they spent their time like doing it that way. That's just the way they wanted to do it. It looks different ways in different houses. So, um, it's up to you. At the bottom there, uh, it says circle yes or no. If you want to take part and do it with us, it'd be kind of cool to know exactly how many people are doing it. I don't need names. I don't, I don't want names. Um, but um, if you could circle yes or no and drop it off in the box before you go, it'd be nice to know, you know who's doing it. And then we could also like be praying about all of that together. If you lose this piece of paper, it will be on the church website. I'll, I'll load it on there later today. I'll put the calendar on there too. Okay? 
So, um, to close here, one last verse. Here's our banner verse over this fast. Philippians 3. Because here's what it comes down to. Our banner verse here. Philippians 3, 8-10. says, Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Powerful words. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith. That I may know Him, the power of His resurrection, fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death. So he says, you know what, all this other stuff, I don't even care what it is. I consider it all rubbish. Just if I could just come to know God more intimately. So like food, you know, whatever, like, yeah, it's going to hurt, but I consider it rubbish. Like, whatever. I want to know God more intimately. I want to know what He has for me more intimately. I want to be more in step with what the Spirit wants to do. I want to be more surrendered to what the Spirit has for me. That's the heart that you can hear out of Paul when he puts those words on that paper. And so I'm hoping that's going to be our heart together as a church family. And then we just say, look out, because who knows what God's going to do with that. It could be pretty awesome. I'm expecting Him to do things through it. So we're going to close with this final song, and then we'll close in prayer together. So please stand and... uh